Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. This nation stands with the good people of New York City and New Jersey and Connecticut as we mourn the loss of thousands of our citizens. I can hear you! I can hear you, the rest of the world hears you, and the people and the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. What I remember about that moment is how united this nation is, and you cannot say we are at that same point now, 22 years later. This is 720 WGN. I was watching Hoda and Jenna today. Obviously, that was Jenna's dad, and she spoke very briefly about uh, what it was like as the daughter of the president at that particular moment. But what was it like to be a pilot on 9-11 22 years ago today. Dennis Tager is with us. He has been with us in the past. He's with the Allied Pilots Association. Dennis, where were you on that day? Well, first, thanks for honoring this uh, memorial anniversary. Um, I was in New York. I was in Albany, New York, and I uh, was on a layover, and uh, I woke to a phone call saying, hey, you ought to see what's on TV and, and half asleep, like many of Americans, perhaps. Um, saw the... Uh, smoke from the first tower and immediately thought, hmm, some small airplane or something, that's odd. And uh, then it started to register that this is something different. Of course, then the second tower was struck and uh, watched it live like many of Americans. So, um, you know, what's it like to be a pilot during that time? Uh, We're all Americans first, and we were just in shock. You didn't have to be a pilot to be in shock, but it didn't take very long for uh, my mind to jump to what might have been going on in those airplanes and on all the lies and all that. So, um, you know, it's interesting. President Bush said that, and it's been a long time since I heard that. And he said, now um, they're going to hear us. Um, and at this time, after how many years, we have to have our politicians move the FAA to ensure that we have a second barrier on that cockpit door. We're still fighting for that. Um, so, um, this is a time to remember those who have passed, but it's also a time to double down on never again. And there's legislation that, that did pass. Uh, Captain Saracena, United Captain, who hit the second tower, and um, that passed. However, it's being games are being played with it, and it said that second barriers will be on all new airplanes. But nobody is talking about putting them on the airplanes that are out there now. Thousands of them. As a matter of fact, it's our understanding that the airlines, as a lobby group, are, are fighting against it. So. Um, said that we have to talk about this this time, but we're never going to give up that fight to ensure this never happens again. And yeah, absolutely. And, and Dennis, I got to tell you, when I'm on a flight and I see the pilot has to use the restroom and the flight attendants take the beverage cart and kind of block that little hallway, I kind of shake my head and think, really, what is that going to do with someone who has intent to do harm? It's a great point. It buys time. 
that's what the second barrier does. It isn't just a, an ad hoc thing that, that um, was used. Um, I won't get into deeper procedures beyond that, but everybody can see that. A second barrier is, is a, an impediment to that door while it's open, so you're in between the space, and there's no clear shot to the flight deck. buys us time to send off that site to secure the flight deck, because the ultimate goal is, of course, to save everybody on the ground and in the airplane, but we've seen what happens when someone gets their hands on an airplane and uses it as a weapon. And um, we don't have to think it's surreal anymore. We've seen it happen. We've seen attempts happen before. And um, those are people with nefarious intent. If someone we see who's, who's not in a good mental condition decides to jump for the door and gets in, um, same problem. So um, give us the tools to protect not only my airplane, the people on it, but the people under me on the ground in our country, our infrastructure, I mean, good gosh, the fact that we have to talk about this on this solemn day, um, it angers me. And um, my daughter's out flying right now. She's taking on the profession, and she's flying passengers around. And to think uh, you're coming after her dad, I got a problem. But when you're coming after um, my daughter and those on the airplane she is uh, vowed to protect, then you're going to get a real fight for me. Yeah. And so what needs to be done? And you said it sounds like politics are at play. Um, what would the cost be to outfit these planes with a second barrier? And can the can the airlines um, cover that cost? That's a great point. Uh, the, the range of it is basically the price of an entertainment center on one of the back seats and just slightly north of that. It's not an obstructive cost. That's why we struggle to understand why they would be behind closed doors opposing it, why the FAA would be suggesting that, uh, hey, we're just going to have this on new type aircraft, the kind that aren't even built yet, like a 797, which doesn't exist, a Boeing 797, or pick an Airbus. So it's taking a, a piece of legislation that our politicians supported, and we're grateful for that, but they're diluting it with word games while we're out there um, trying to protect the public, trying to protect our country. I served in the military. I should not have to fight for the uh, uh, equipment to protect uh, my crew and passengers in my country. It's its that down to the core. And what can we as the general public do, people who who fly and want to support you and the efforts of everyone who believes there needs to be a second barrier? Well, it's, it's as obvious as it seems. Um, there's, there's a comment period right now the FAA is holding to try and interpret how this, this law will be invoked. And this is where the, the rubber meets the road. Um, word games and, and backdoor uh, lobbying efforts to uh, dilute this um, are, are in action now. So what can the public do? Know that as pilots, professional pilots, and the flight attendants, we are doing everything we can, but we need a hand here. So um, through our elected officials, you can drop a note. Um, you just covering this story, giving us an opportunity. I talked to this last year. And we're still here. At least there's now a, a meeting for it that the FAA is having, a rulemaking uh, meeting. But, um, you know, when it comes to Washington, with all due respect, um, after all is said and done, usually not much is done. And on this one, it's, it's got to stop. All right. Well, I encourage everybody who's listening to do that, to make it a point. What does it take to send an email to your legislator? It doesn't take much time. So, Dennis, we really appreciate your stance on this and the fact that you've served this country in many, many different capacities. And I appreciate you joining us on what is a very solemn day. Well, thank you. It's been an honor. I appreciate it.
Dennis Tager, Allied Pilots Association. Usually we're talking about much lighter stuff with him. What a good guy. All right, Steve has your news coming up next on 720 WGN. Lisa Dent, WGN. 